0: Welcome to the Development Policy Centre podcast, I'm Jonathan Pryk. In this podcast you will hear a recording of our recent event, Putting Our Money Where Our Mouths Are, donations to NGOs and support for foreign aid in Australia. At the event, dev policy researchers Terence Wood and Alex Cifuentes highlighted the results of their research into the determinants of public perceptions on aid and private giving in Australia.
1: All right, well, uh, good afternoon everyone. Uh, Welcome to uh, this uh, Development Policy Centre seminar. Uh, my name is Stephen Howes, I'm the Director of the Centre at the Crawford School at the ANU. And uh, I'll open this uh, seminar by acknowledging and celebrating the first Australians on whose traditional lands we meet, and by paying our respects to the elders of the Ngunnawal people, past and present. Uh, we organise a number of events at the Development Policy Centre, but we're always particularly uh, happy when we can uh, present our own work, and uh, that's what we're doing today. Uh, uh this is research that was actually started by Alex here. Uh, Alex is one of our... So how do you pronounce your surname? Sofantas. Fantas I've never used a surname before. <laughs> Alex is one of our interns. Every semester we have two interns through the ANU internship program. And uh, she started working on this uh, on this research topic. And uh, I've heard that her, the, all the interns have to write a essay as part of their internship So I've heard Alex was rated the best among all the interns in her semester, so congratulations. Uh, Alex started this work and then was joined by uh, Jonathan Pryke, who's a research officer at the Centre, but Jonathan's not here today. I'm afraid to say he's in Byron Bay. (laughs) Uh, Unavoidably detained. Uh, So Jonathan sends his apologies. Um, And the third uh, person who got involved with this work was Terence Wood. Terence is a research fellow at the Centre for Democratic Institutions. Also, at the ANU it does a lot of work with us at, uh, at our centre. Um, and so, between the three of them, they produced this paper, uh, Putting Our Money Where Our Mouths Are, Support for Government, ODA and NGO Donations in Australia. And it will shortly be coming out as a discussion paper, but we thought it would be good, you know, before we do that, to have the seminar, partly to disseminate the results, but also to get your feedback so that we can use that to finalise uh, the discussion paper. Uh, so I'm sure it'll be very interesting, and I will um, hand over to the authors now. I think Terence is going to start, and then Alex um, take over, and uh, I'll just ask them to keep, keep their uh, presentation short to allow plenty of time for questions and comments from the audience. So over to you, Terence.
2: All right. Thank you, Stephen. Well, most research on aid looks at aid over there, uh, looks at aid uh, as it works or fails to work in aid-recipient countries. What we're going to talk about today is a different type of aid research, looking at aid here, looking at aid here in Australia, and looking at factors which contribute to the way Australia gives aid and interacts as an aid uh, donor in the developing world. In particular, we're going to look at public opinion and public actions when it comes to aid work. We're going to look at correlates of um, support for Government ODA, the the aid the Australian Government gives here in Australia, and we're also going to look at people's own individual private donations to aid NGOs. Um, The data that we've drawn upon uh, looking at Government ODA uh, is survey data. The data that we've drawn upon looking at private NGO donations is actual information on the donations people have made. As Stephen said, this is based on a Development Policy Centre discussion paper. Um, and when the discussion paper comes out it'll be advertised on the Development Policy Centre blog. Um, But if you're particularly interested in seeing the paper, come up to me afterwards, give me your email address and I'll make sure you get a copy. I wanted to start the talk by explaining why we think it's researching public opinion or researching the attitudes of the Australian public when it comes to aid is a worthwhile endeavour. Why should we be interested in what the Australian public thinks? and what it does when it comes to supporting aid work. Well, and my answer to that question is, at least with respect to Australian government, ODA, obviously Australia is a democracy, and in any democracy it's a reasonable assumption to make that at least to some extent the beliefs of the public will have a play a role in shaping public policy. This may not be a perfectly determinative relationship. Nevertheless, uh, it seems reasonable to assume that the, what the public thinks on a matter ought to provide some bounds to the actions of politicians. For example, it would be very hard for the government of the day to substantially increase ODA if its key supporters w- were strongly opposed to it. In the case of NGO donations, having a better sense of who supports NGOs by, by donating Offers us some useful additional information to the survey uh, data that we have on support for government ODA. In particular, the NGO information is useful because, unlike answering a survey question in which you say you're supportive of ODA, supporting an NGO by making your own private donation actually takes an additional piece of effort. It requires you to reach into your wallet and engage in some personal sacrifice and give to that NGO. So, knowing more about NGO giving habits, the NGO giving habits of Australia gives us some sense uh, of the depth of Australians commitment to uh, supporting aid work. If it turns out that Australians put their money where their mouths are and uh, those Australians who give to uh, those Australians who say they support ODA are also those Australians who donate to NGOs, we might be able to infer there's actually some depth to Australians uh, support for development work. Um, obviously there's some practical utility in learning about the sorts of Australians uh, who give to NGOs as well. For NGOs themselves it's going to be helpful if, if they have a better understanding of the socioeconomic traits or the political uh, attitudes which come coupled with NGO giving. Obviously an understanding in this area might help NGOs better target their own campaigning work in the future. Um, and so what we're going to do today is look at variation across Australia in support for government ODA, and variation across Australia in support uh, of, uh, in terms of uh, people's private donations to NGOs. And an important point to start the talk off with is to note that there really is quite substantial variation around Australia in the extent to which people support aid work. The chart we have behind me here on the whiteboard shows uh, for five selected Australian electorates the proportion of the population who donated to aid NGOs in 2012. We can see over there, the South Australia, in the South Australian electorate of Mayo, only about 2% of the population made a donation to an aid NGO in 2012. On the other hand, in the New South Wales electorate of Sydney, nearly 40% of the population donated to an aid NGO in 2012. When it comes to surveyed support for ODA, the variation around the country is somewhat less, but it's still substantial. So there is very real variation around Australia and the extent to which people support aid work, and it's this variation that we're going to draw upon in our talk today.
3: In an attempt to learn more about the Australian public support for foreign aid, we undertook a study which looked at the relationship between Australia's support for government-provided aid, non-government-provided aid, and socio-economic and political characteristics of Australian's electorates. In order to provide a brief overview of our research, we will first discuss the variation in surveyed support for government provided aid and the effect of socioeconomic trends and political affiliation on aid support. Then we will compare surveyed support for ODA with data gathered on actual levels of donations to NGOs to see whether there is a correlation between government-provided aid and non-government-provided aid. Finally, Terence will discuss the effect of differing social and economic traits on giving to aid NGOs. As is generally the case, prior to beginning our research, we tried to address these points by looking at previous research. However, it was here that we drew two big blanks. We could find no academic research, either from Australia or internationally, that studied in any systematic way propensity to donate to aid NGOs, or whether this was associated with support for government-provided aid. In addition, we could only find one academic study which looked specifically at support for ODA, yet this was more than a quarter of a century old. In these areas, the existing literature offered little help. It should be noted, however, that there has been... Uh, There has been some academic work which looked at support for ODA in donor countries and this provided a useful starting point. This table summarises the results of the literature that we looked at. Generally studies have found that um, citizens from donor countries that are wealthier, higher educated, younger and more left leaning on the political spectrum are more likely to support ODA. However the exact effect of religion was unclear. While some studies showed that um, more religious people are more supportive, others have found no relationship between religiosity and support for ODA. Reflecting these findings, we included a measure of these five variables in our study, combining them with additional analysis on two new Australian data sets in order to see whether a similar pattern existed in Australia for ODA and NGO donations. Importantly, in all instances, the data we have used has been aggregated to the level of electorate. And as such, in our study, we are not comparing individuals, but rather electorates. So, for example, when we assess the effect of wealth, we are not looking at whether wealthier individuals donate more to NGOs, but rather whether support for aid is higher in wealthier electorates than in poorer electorates. The first status that we analysed was from the... ABC's 2013 Vote Compass survey. Vote Compass is an online survey which relies on respondent self-selection rather than probability sampling. While this is less less than desirable, as a random selection would have been much better and we're happy to discuss this in further detail during question time. For now we just wanted to note that the issue of selection bias was mitigated by the data being weighted so that it is more representative of the Australian population. The Vote Compass survey question we looked at asked respondents to rate their support for the statement, the Australian government should give more to foreign aid, on a scale of one to five, with five being the most supportive and one being the least supportive. The data we analysed was weighted average scores for each Australian electorate. The second data set we looked at was from the Australian Council for International Development, or ACFID, a peak body NGO which represents Australia's almost all of Australia's NGOs. It served to provide the proportion of the population in each electorate who had donated to ACFID's major aid NGOs in 2013. We combined these data sets with census data and socio-economic traits and the results from the 2013 election to capture political preference. Regression analysis was then performed in this consolidated data set to help illustrate the relationship between aid support, and economic and social features of Australians' electric.
2: And that brings us to our results. Although, before we get onto our results, I just want to hop quickly onto a special bonus slide for any social scientists in the audience. <laughs> yeah, that's a photo that Alex took of Jono and I uh, examining our stator output earlier in the week. Um, for the social scientists out there, just to note all the regression results we're going to report on are the product of regressions running using Cuba-White robust standard errors, um, although actually when we run normal sta- uh, regressions using normal standard errors, we get very similar results. All the substantive results I'm going to report on are robust to the exclusion of outliers, um, and the multicollinearity between the independent variables in our analysis, while sometimes higher than uh, perhaps is ideal, was almost always tolerable. Uh, and finally, there is this issue of ecological inference uh, that Alex alluded to earlier on, it's important to emphasise that we are comparing traits across electorates, not individual Australians. Um, And to infer from our electorate level results uh, to uh, uh, what we might anticipate to be patterns amongst individual Australians does require the somewhat delicate task of ecological inference. Uh, This can be done uh, using a range of different techniques, and it's not something we've done yet. So for the time being, we're talking about electorates, not individual people. All right, on to the results. The slide behind me here, uh, on to the results, starting first looking at the determinants of surveyed support for Australian government ODA. And the slide behind me here illustrates an important point, although not quite the point you might think from first glance. This is a scatter plot. Each dot on the plot represents an Australian electorate the x-axis of the plot reflects the wealth of the uh, individual Australian electorates. Wealth then uh, quantified as a proportion of the electorate that, earns over the med- that earned over the median income in the year of the last Australian census. Over here we have wealthier electorates, over here we have poorer electorates. The y-axis of the chart on the other hand shows us the electorate level, uh, the weighted average score for each individual electorate. Uh, in response to the Vote Compass survey question about support for ODA. So electorates which are up higher are more supportive of ODA. electorates which are down lower are less supportive of government ODA. And what the chart seems to tell us is that there's a reasonably clear positive correlation between wealth and support for government ODA. Um, And that's true. There is a bivariate correlation that exists there. On average, wealthier parts of Australia are more supportive of government ODA. However, we can't infer from this relationship alone that actually wealth leads to greater levels of support for government ODA in Australia. And the reason why we can't uh, is suggested by this slide, and, and that's the fact that obviously things like wealth are correlated themselves with other socio-economic aspects of Australian life. Right, And this slide shows on the x-axis proportion of uh, Australian electorates with a tertiary education, and on the y-axis the measure of wealth that we saw on the last slide. And What we can see is a very strong correlation, as you'd expect, between tertiary education levels and electorate uh, wealth, and unless we control for this effect, we've got no way of knowing whether the relationship we see on this previous slide is actually directly a product of wealth, making Australians more supportive of ODA, or whether It's simply a product of the relationship between education and wealth, and in fact it's education that's the key determinant of support for ODA. So to overcome this, obviously what we do is we run multiple regressions, including a range of control variables in the regressions. And when you do that, you get the sort of output that I've got behind me here on the whiteboard, on the projector, whatever it is. Um, Up the top corner here, we see, the we see the result of a simple, once again of a simple bivariate regression run, uh, a regression that uh, effectively performs the same analysis that we saw on my first scatter plot. Right? What we see here is a positive coefficient and it's statistically significant as illustrated by the three asterisks by the number and that's just telling us that there is a statistically significant bivariate correlation between wealth at the electorate level and support for ODA at the electorate level. However, I do the same thing with education and once again I find a positive association between education as re- measured by the proportion of an electorate which has a tertiary qualification and support for ODA. And what happens over here when I put these variables as well as a few others into uh, the same regression equation, bang, all of a sudden we have a striking change in our results, right? education's still in there, it's very strongly positively correlated with support for ODA. On the other hand once we take education's effect uh, uh, into account the association between wealth and support for ODA is now actually negative. Right? So once you net out the effect of education, it turns out that everything else being equal wealthier electorates are actually less supportive of ODA. There's a few other interesting things going on in this set of results here. The other one, which is kind of intriguing, is that controlling for other factors, it turns out that religiosity across Australian electorates is also actually negatively correlated with support for ODA. Um, Religiosity was measured as a proportion of the electorate population that told the census enumerator in the last census that they were religious.
4: Sorry, can I I just get a quick clarification? They told you religious... uh, Uh,
2: uh, so it includes, uh, so Jedi Knights or whatever are excluded, but any of the major sort of Australian oh. denominations or religions. <laughs> they so d- they a
0: religion.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, they didn't just say they're religious, good point. They said, I am Protestant or I am uh, Muslim or, or what have you. Um, these are the three main results from this, this regression here, looking at the <laughs> interaction of socioeconomic factors and support for ODA. What we also see is that we fail to find any association between youth and support for ODA, and we also failed to find any association between urbanization and support for ODA. Now that's not saying that urban electorates aren't more supportive of ODA, it's, it's saying that when we take into account other traits associated with urban electorates, such as education, once we've taken that into account, there's no real relationship between urbanization and support for ODA. Right down the bottom here is one final thing I want to note about this uh, regression equation. That's the R squared value, right? This can take a value between any value between zero and one, And we've got a value here of 0.66, which is pretty good for a regression run in the social sciences. What's that saying? What that's saying is 66% of the variation in support for ODA that we see across Australian electorates can be explained just by the independent variables that we've got in this regression model. So that's socioeconomics dealt with. Let's now move on to politics. We... uh, what types of political ideology are most strongly associated with support for government ODA in Australia? I wasn't planning on getting people laughing with the slide. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, you're making me slightly nervous. <laughs> Anyhow, what we've got here, first up, is once again just looking at simple bivariate correlations. Bivariate correlations between Green Party support, Labour Party support and coalition support and support for ODA. Here, the variables are measured as a proportion of the electorate that cast their first preference vote for the party in question in the last election. We can see there's a very strong bivariate correlation between Green Party support and support for ODA across Australian electorates. On the other hand, just looking at simple bivariate correlations, there is no... uh, The relationship between support for Labour and support for the Coalition and support for ODA is not statistically distinguishable from zero. Right? However, of course, the one thing we learnt from the previous slide was that bivariate correlations alone don't tell us everything we need to know. And obviously, it would be reasonable to expect that particular socioeconomic traits might also be associated with different types of political support, and that if we want to isolate any pure political effect on support for ODA, we'd need to control for these socioeconomic traits as well. And that's what we do here in Models 4, 5, and 6. Um, and what we see here is a somewhat interesting change. Once we account for socioeconomics, Green Party support is still very strongly correlated uh, with support for ODA. Now however, once we take into account the fact that some Labour Party supporters may be poorer or less well educated or or something like that, we find that there is a positive association between Labour Party support and support for ODA, and there's a commensurate negative association between uh, coalition support and support for ODA. So once we take into account socioeconomics, we do find a sort of pure political effect, an ideological effect associated with differing levels of support for ODA. These margin plots give us a sense of the magnitude of this pure political effect. Three different plots, one for each party, green, green, red Labour, blue coalition. And what they show you is the strength (laughs) of the effect uh, once we've held uh, all the other variables that we had in the last regression, constant. One way to think about, and and basically, I could explain it in more depth, but for now, just look at the slope of the line, right? In fact, here we see the slope of the line for Greens is very strongly positive, right? So electrics with more Green voters, once everything else is held constant, are really quite significantly more supportive of government ODA. Here we can see Labour, once again, a positive slope, but nowhere near as steep, and there's the coalition with a fairly gentle negative slope. So that, in a nutshell, is what we found uh, with regards to socioeconomic and political traits and support for ODA across Australia. Now let's move to NGO donations, starting first with the association between support, surveyed support for government ODA, and actual levels of NGO giving across Australian electorates as per the ACFID data. And this slide tells us all we need to know uh, to answer this question, right? This slide, once again, a scatter plot. On the x-axis, we have every ele- each dot to an electorate. On the x-axis, we have each electorate's average, weighted average vote compass uh, support for ODA score. Over here, our electorates that support ODA more. Over here, our electorates are less supportive of ODA. And on the y-axis, we have the proportion of each electorate that gave to uh, an ACFID member uh, NGO in 2012, right? So electorates up here had more givers, there's Sydney. (laughs) Electorates down here had fewer givers, there's Mayo. And what we can see is a strong, clear correlation between the two. To a substantial extent, Australians really do put their money where their mouths are when it comes to supporting aid endeavours. Parts of the country where people uh, say they are most favourable, uh, where more people say they are supportive of government ODA, are also on average parts of the country where more people make donations to NGOs. And that uh, is all we need to know really to answer the second question we're focusing on today. Not surprisingly, given this strong correlation between support for ODA and private NGO donations, when we start to dig into the determinants of private NGO donations, we see similar results in our regressions to those which we saw when we looked for socioeconomic and political uh, traits correlated with support for ODA, although there are also some interesting differences. First up, once again, we find a simple bivariate correlation between income and NGO donations, right? So, on average, if we just ignore everything else, it is true that wealthier Australian electorates have higher proportions of the electorate which give to NGOs, right? Same time, though, there's also a very strong relationship between tertiary education and support donations to NGOs. And once in Model 4, we take education's effect into account, once we run a multiple regression here, we find that the impact of wealth on propensity to donate to NGOs is actually, if anything, slightly negative. Although in this case, the impact is not statistically distinguishable from zero. Right. So to be technically correct, we find no real wealth effect. What we do find, on the other hand, is a very strong effect of education which remains in our results. Intriguingly, once again, we find a negative association between religiosity and propensity to donate to NGOs. Now, I have to confess, uh, given that uh, quite a, a number of Australia's NGOs are church-based, I, I find this result quite surprising, but we've looked at the data carefully, and that's what come out of them. And We also find, as with support for ODA, there doesn't seem to be any associated, any relationship between youth uh, and, ur- and urbanisation and propensity to donate to NGOs. Once again, the r squared for this regression model is high, right? 0.73. In other words, uh, the independent variables we include here explain 73% of the variation across Australian electorates in the propensity to donate to NGOs. Or to put it another way, if you're an NGO in Australia and you didn't know anything about how generous an electorate was, you could predict with a reasonable degree of confidence where you are more likely to gather donations just by ascertaining information on those socioeconomic traits about Australia. Will be mum calling? I think I'll <laughs> just it always seems to happen. Anyhow, so that's uh, socioeconomics of support for Australian NGOs. One thing here, we'll just once the end of the margins plot to give you a sense of the strength of the tertiary education effect when it comes to support for Australian NGOs. Um, so here, the margin plot shows us the strength of the education effect once we've taken into account the effect of all other sort of socioeconomic variables that were in our equation, and what this is telling us, right, is that if you had two identical Australian electorates, one where only a quarter of the population had a tertiary qualification, and another where 75% of the population had a tertiary qualification, the electorates were more or less identical in every other socioeconomic aspect, what we would expect, what we could predict with a good degree of confidence on the basis of our model is that in the first electorate, the one where tertiary education was largely lacking, only about 6% of the population would give to NGOs on average in any given year. On the other hand, in our tertiary education-rich environment, the one where 75% of the population had a tertiary degree, we could expect on the basis of our regression results to find something like 46% of the population donating to an aid NGO in any given year. So that gives you a sense of the magnitude of the Positive association between tertiary education levels and propensity to donate to NGOs across Australian electorates. On to politics. Here, once again, results are fairly similar to what we saw for support for ODA, but also different in, in one key, somewhat interesting way. Once again, be it bivariate or multivariate correlation, there's a strong associate, clear association between Green Party support. And propensity to donate, donate to NGOs, right? See it in the bivariate model, you see it once you control for socioeconomic factors too. When it comes to Labour Party support and coalition support, on the other hand, we fail to find a result either in the bivariate models or in the models where we're controlling for other factors. Right? So while when it comes to support for government ODA, we find there is some sort of positive association between being on the centre-left and supporting government ODA. Uh, When it comes to actually making donations, we fail to see that centre-left versus centre-right differentiation in our results. The only thing that really stands out here is the fact that Green Party support seems to once again be clearly associated with increased levels of support for uh, NGOs. Here we go again, the margins plot to give us a sense of the magnitude of this sort of pure green effect on support for NGOs. As you can see, the slope of the line is nowhere near as steep as it was for education. Nevertheless, there's a real effect, right? If we were to take two otherwise identical electorates, one where no one voted for the Greens, probably somewhere in Queensland, right? Um, (laughs) And another where, where half the population voted for the Greens. You'd expect in the first electorate to see about 16% of the population donating to NGOs. In the second, you'd expect to see, I think, about 26% of the population. So that gives you a sense of the magnitude of this sort of effect of Green Party ideology or Green Party-type beliefs on support uh, for ODA, uh, support for aid in the form of donations to NGOs. All right, so that is all we have to say. Uh Today, or most of all, we have to say today. But I just want to finish up with a summary table um, before handing back over to Alex, just to summarise what we've found, right? For both ODA and for support for NGOs, there are two variables that are clearly and positively associated with aid support, right? Education and Green Party beliefs. And this was true both for bivariate correlations. And also, once we controlled for other factors, on the other hand, uh, there was one variable that was associated with <coughs> decreased support, be it both, both for government ODA and for NGO donations, and that was uh, the level of religiosity across elections. Electors. On the other hand, um, we found that, and then we found three variables which only really had statistically significant effects on support for ODA it didn't seem to matter when it came to propensity to donate to NGOs, income, uh, labour support and coalition support. And finally we had two variables that didn't seem to matter either for support for ODA or donations for NGOs, they were age and urbanisation. So that's all I have to say, but Alex has got a few final comments uh, on what we hope to do in the future, how we uh, plan to take this research forward.
3: While the analysis discussed here has begun to look at the determinants of aid support, there's lots more that can be done. For instance, we hope to work with individual NGOs to assess whether the patterns that we talked about here um, observable for all Australian NGOs are also true for specific NGOs or specific types of NGOs. For example, if we look solely at religious NGOs will a positive relationship um, become apparent between religiosity and given. In. in addition, we plan to expand our study of ODA support using data gathered from a recent AMU poll. As this data is aggregated at the individual level, it will allow us to see whether the relationships discussed earlier hold when the unit of analysis is individuals rather than electorates, and when data has been gathered using probability sampling. We also hope to investigate the causal pathways present in these relationships. For instance, what is it about tertiary education that causes people to be more supportive of ODA and donate more to NGOs? We know that it's more than just the wealth effect, but what exactly is it? Finally, we are hoping to perform experimental work to see if public support for aid is affected by the way in which discussions on foreign aid are framed. It's one thing to know the types of people who support foreign aid, but it's another thing entirely to figure out the types of arguments that can be used to help increase people's, um, the public support for foreign aid provision. Thank you. All right. Question.
1: All right, those really great presentations, very interesting results, so uh, we've got lots of time for questions and comments. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for the presentation. Just um, to further that Jessie shouldn't
4: the religiousity variable? Was it just that people said that they were Christian or Protestant, not how active they were in terms of
2: attending church? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, it was just whether they said, yeah, they uh, they considered themselves a member of a religious grouping or not. Um, and actually there, there's a study using cross-country data by Stephen Knack from the World Bank who finds that uh, whether people say they're religious or not doesn't seem to have an impact. But uh, depth of commitment to religion in terms of attendance at church or at the mosque or whatever does seem to have an impact yeah, so, there's, yeah. there's
4: other research around that too which
3: shows that it's the types of discussions that go on in church that encourage people to actually play out that religious identity you know, and take on board the messages around forgiving. so yeah
2: I think that would be, I don't know if there's a way um, to do the a role of looking at that a bit further Or with further survey work um, yeah. uh, there are other surveys we could perhaps use to, to look into that yeah, yeah that's a good point thanks yeah
0: Yeah. I was just, just on that point there's I suspect there may be some relevant data in the National Church Life Survey um data which is done every five parallel to the census every five years which would pick up um active church attendance and they do they have done some uh, questions on social issues over time um well, I can't remember at this stage you know, if they've done one of those is a, but I know they have tackled a range of issues, including that. And what I remember is that they tend to suggest that it's actually the frequency of involvement that is actually different, that you end up getting some parallel attitudes between absolute non-attenders and absolute active attenders on some issues, and the people who really dip out are those who are... <laughs>
2: That's In agnostics, way. right, yeah, yeah. Or, or,
0: sure. or, or. I I just suggest that might be worth
2: So have I Googled that Nash, yeah,
0: um, yeah, it's at ACU. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ruth he Powell is the professor there. National Church Life Survey, I think it's yeah, National, National Church, Church. Life cool.
1: Survey. Okay, we've got lots of questions. I think Patrick was next. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's just fantastic
4: because I've been looking at this over time um, and too. you've got a snapshot of a particular time. Um, just on the public opinion, um, um, in terms of literature at the beginning, the problem is the academics haven't written it up, but, but, but actually archives are full of survey stuff from the 80s. And so if you want to dig further, you could you could possibly look at that stuff. And you'll find when you look at NGOs, because I've been a social box fan, it does one of these big surveys every five years or so. And so all that should be available. The other... Now, I chuckle when you do it, It's such a... a Political science breakdown between left and right as to who the supporters are outward looking and all that sort of stuff. It's fascinating. Um, the, I went to a conference last week, uh, in that Society for Third Sector Research, and that Australian Church survey paper was presented. So I'll just give you the link to, to, to the people who did it. They didn't look specifically at overseas, otherwise, I would really jump up. But they do look at that, and that's a good way of of unpacking that, but I would also suggest that the rise of charismatic churches in the last 20 years or so, uh, plus in my day when I was a churchy person in the 70s, social justice was was, was, was was the big messages, and so that may have changed over time as well, and so you actually may have to unpack religiosity, either between, Denominations, you, know, you may have to make some yeah. broad generalisations between types of religiosity to unpack
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'll email you for that link, too. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. OK, the front. front. Um, I'm Daphne Cook from ActFit. I just wanted to comment again on the religiosity question, because from our side, um, some major religious organisations aren't that good members, mm-hmm. wouldn't have been included in that uh, so yeah. Project Compassion is a, a huge one that is religious. But also, Rotary, um, Hillsong have an international aid
4: branch,
3: so I'm not sure if that would affect or how
2: that would affect the data, but there's a large amount of donations to religious
1: organisations that aren't included in the data. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, that's useful to know, thanks. But
3: is MSF uh, also is not included? Yeah, yeah. MSF, but they're not is a huge one. That
1: but they're not religious either. On the,
2: on the other hand, right, yeah. I guess some very large religious organisations are members of ACFORD, mm, right? World well, Vision. Yeah. Um, so mm, we'd have to sort of get a sense of perspective. MSF side MSF and Compassion are big enough but they're they're secular, right? So no, which one each?
4: Compassion. Compassion.
2: Compassion's religious. not compassion's uh-huh. religious. Okay. Is secular. Yeah. So they
1: could
4: balance each other. Did up you up. want to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll put that in a footnote then. Just a quick follow <laughs> up on that one
4: and then I have my my own question, which is um, yeah, that question of I mean maybe they're donating to the churches directly or yeah, yes. they're actually not donating to the agency, they're mm. donating to the church. Yeah. So you know, Tithing or yeah. something, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it's okay. going it's getting there, it's going every way. Islamic agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Although,
2: uh, remember, all of this was reflected in surveyed support for government ODA too. So yeah. it's not yeah. just our NGO data. That yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, keep yeah. going. Through.
4: So, so my, my question was more on the, the, the association with the Greens and the um, yeah, support, for, for aid, sorry, support for donations. Um, if I was to guess who was the likely Donors you know, just um, generally, I'd expect them to go. Green supporters are likely donors irrespective of whether it's foreign aid or, or otherwise. Yeah. So did you actually account for that, the fact that the tendency to donate over and above the... Sorry, in, in, as distinct from the tendency to donate to foreign aid agencies because green, green supports are probably going to be donors to
2: Yeah, right. to we, we have our credit cards out on the table there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every news hour. Yeah, so, I mean, that,
4: that's... You know, so you know, yeah, that would be... I mean, we'd
2: have to get... Uh, have to start getting survey data on NGO donations, I guess, to try and unpack that, wouldn't we? We're not going to get it from the data we have, but yeah, yeah. Interesting point, definitely.
1: Okay, maybe we'll give someone on this side of the room a chance, and then we'll go back to the middle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> a question on education, statistically significant. You looked at tertiary. Did you see there was a correlation
4: <coughs> with just...
2: I, we we haven't, and the reason why we chose tertiary is, is you need some sort of variable that um, varies considerably across the country. Whereas I think, suspect in almost every electorate, the you know a large majority of the population will have secondary education. It's actually interestingly, it's the reason why we couldn't test gender either, mm-hmm. um, because other surveys have found there's a relationship: women being more likely to support aid than men, uh, but. Uh, with the exception of a few slightly frightening places in, in the sort of uh, centre of Australia, most of Australia is, has a re- relatively equal gender balance, right? So we can't use regression tools uh, with the data we have to test that. Just quickly
1: on that. Did you look at the proportion of the population born overseas in specific religious...?
2: No, that would be a good one to include, yeah. I think we could get that from census data probably. Yeah, gender from census data.
4: Yeah. But the trouble is that almost okay, every electrode is 50-50 men no, no, yeah yeah Yeah. Um, yeah. okay so back to Kerry yeah, no, th- thanks very much that was fascinating and I agree with the, a couple of the other comments that would be interesting to run, look at some other variables as to how they might be broken down or how they will explain results of it and also some positive data uh, as well why people question on education though and whether or not you're thinking about linking it not just to tertiary education but when you look at future work, looking at educational campaigns for aid, so for example whether through um, NGOs or through governments. So I know for example that the Australian government um, has not to allocate a very high proportion of its budget for public education um, for various reasons historical reasons um, whereas other countries do and in those countries there's quite a um, the difference in I was, playing. So are you looking at any sort of um, cross-country comparison on that, whether education at all about what aid does actually makes a
2: difference? Yeah, that, that might be something that you could sort of test with cross-country data, um, and, and it would be interesting, although you'd have problems of reverse causality because it may be that countries that are just supportive of aid more generally also have more money floating around for education. It's also something, when Alex mentioned, we're thinking about trying to do experimental work. We hope to dig into... So you can imagine a survey that randomly assigns a question of a about aid, two questions about aid, one one to half the survey population, the other to the other half, and one of the questions is just asked, you know, do you support giving the government giving ODA? And the other question is uh, presented with a bit of educa- ed- educative information to see whether that has any change, either for better or for worse, on people's support for ODA. So it's definitely something we're keen to look at uh, further in the future. Yeah. I guess if I knew the answer, I wouldn't be able to yeah, convince Stephen to give me the money to run the survey. So. Okay, <laughs> okay, interesting, yeah. Okay, at the back? Yeah, and then Joe. I've said a bit of a fairy just in terms of
1: Obviously, because you're doing it at the electrical level, you probably don't have the ability to sort of differentiate
4: between different regions. No, they do. yeah it may not be through for those formal bisectors of the NGO versus
2: the yeah, yeah. Definitely, right. And even that might be a way of sort of overcoming the fact that there are some religious NGOs that aren't members of ACFID. If they're associated with certain denominations, we might be able to sort of exclude those denominations and see whether an effect uh, starts to appear. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely possible um, and, and something we'd like to do more of.
1: Yep. Um, hi,
4: thanks for that. It was really interesting. Um, I just want to come back to the beginning where you said that we're just looking at um, uh, the numbers of donators, not the size of the donations. Uh, uh, I think it's really, you know, there may be quite a different result mm-hmm. when you look at the size of the donations. So I'm just thinking of the political divide. You know, the Greens may be better overall givers at their 10 cents, but. You get a, oh. single, <laughs> when you <get> a single <laughs> big donation of a billion dollars or something yeah. like that. In my experience that tends to come from business people, um, who are more likely to be competitions of water I would imagine. So, you know, people like I don't know, Dick Smith, much, Richel, Bob, you know so, they, so I'm just thinking
2: of the big yeah.
4: single which might
2: skew a whole lot of things. And even not single donors, it may just be say that we would find a wealth effect, in so much as that wealth. This is a point that Alex made early on when we were working on it. We, we just can't get those data on size of donations. But it, yeah, if, if you could, maybe you'd just find that even while the wealthy don't give it as often as their sort of um, well-educated, less wealthy companions, they may give more. Yeah, definitely.
4: But you get it. When, you, when you look at individual NGOs, they'll have all they, that
1: didn't. Well, if they make it available. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> if, if, have you got any context? Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This mm. on,
2: uh, unpacking the, the category of tertiary education. Um, one of the reasons why in the States it's really used is tertiary covers everything from the equivalent of tapes all the way up to having documents. And I was wondering, is
4: that something that you'd I would reckon that going from some university to a four-year degree master's, a masters to doctorate, you'd see a massive upswing in and um,
2: that to do it. Well, Possibly. I don't know. Steve, can we... Yeah, so, yep, you can. we could. Yeah, Right. Wow. thank you. Um, yeah, but it probably turns out that PhD students are actually really tight-fisted, right? <laughs> 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 the students are tight graduates. Yeah, the graduates, yeah, right. Yeah. I, just a
4: question on the political part and the way the question was phrased is for support for ODA. Because I would argue that if you asked a liberal voter, do you support the government increasing ODA, you would only get as far as do you support the government increasing spending (laughs) (laughs) before they have a negative value. Whereas socialist types of communities at the green and labour end of the spectrum, of the left would support government expenditure. <laughs> and, and in a way,
2: that's almost suggested by the fact that we—that explanation almost lends itself mm. to the fact that we found a sort of positive association between centre-left belief and support for government ODA, mm. and a negative for the you know centre-right, mm. and yet that relationship vanished when we started talking about actual donations to NGOs, and one possible explanation for it is that people on the centre-right aren't uh, discernibly any more adverse to giving money to help people in other countries, it's just that they're much more sceptical of the efficacy of state uh, action, right? Yeah. And that quite, is quite a plausible explanation for why we see a relationship on the ODA side, but not on the NGO donation side. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm just interested in the qualitative question about what is aid when it comes to the NGOs, and I'm not sure what definition-back could use but there's a vast range of programs supported by NGOs, which might range from child sponsorships to feeding world for development. And in our experience of working <coughs> in developing countries, some of those NGOs supported programs that probably wouldn't call aid, like giving out large things of infant formula to women having babies, uh, discouraging them from breastfeeding and sending back to villages where the water was unsafe. Um, but typically an aid program. So I'm not asking you to
4: define that, but I don't know how you build in those
2: qualitative tests on what is an aid by NGO. Yeah, I mean, and there would be an interesting... Yeah, we, we can't. However, once again, perhaps with experimental work, we might be able to get some interesting insights on whether showing to the public that you deliver proper aid work is a good way of eliciting support, or whether the best way of eliciting support is just, you know, sort of, hungry-looking uh, baby, you know, and a story come coupled with it. No, but we'll have, these accreditation are... Accreditation covers
1: that. the Code of Conduct. Yeah. And the conduct and
4: Accreditation yeah, so these government. are ACFID members, uh, yeah, so okay, there are yeah. some minimum standards uh, they have to yeah, adhere to. Yeah, yeah, Could you yeah, some confidence. I that also
1: like yeah. or not. No, but these are just ACFID NGOs. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. But it, as a general point, it would be really interesting to gather some insights on how, you know, we as the aid community can elicit more support for good aid and not for bad aid, definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay. Any yeah,
4: um You start off by saying that we'd like to know, you know. We're investigating this issue because we would expect some link to public policy, depending on what we find. So, if the the general finding is that if you've got a tertiary education, you're more likely to be supportive <laughs> of government aid and give to NGOs, what's the public policy implication of that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I've got a right to Actford suggesting they start campaigning for this. Uh, and, uh, I guess, yeah, sorry, there, there's a, a sort of missing link that I didn't really talk about. Um, understanding public opinion on its own uh, won't give us the full picture when it comes to the sort of domestic politics of aid here in Australia. It's only one part of the jigsaw puzzle, and I think there's a lot more work for all of us to do to try and understand how opinion then interacts with the beliefs of MPs and the policy-making process. But it still seems to me useful to have a sense of the parameters that are sort of established by people's, uh, you know, ideological beliefs and socioeconomic traits when it comes to support for aid. For example, the fact that we did see that negative association, sort of for the pure centre-right political effect, um, with support for ODA perhaps <coughs> helps explain uh, to us why it might be, you know, harder for the coalition to be, you know, in dramatically increasing ODA levels than it would be for the Labour Party, and certainly. And it would be for the Greens, should they ever win national election here in Australia. Oh, no, no
1: oh, i so
0: many questions. Just another right of no. your research cool. agenda. Um, and that is looking at the efforts that have been made by NGOs over time, very in the last 10 years, to shift public attitudes and what implication has been in terms of their impact on the PNPs. Because there was a major one under the um, Millennium Development Goals. It's been run and an equivalent one by the the uh, the Christian made agencies under the Micah challenge have been running and they would offer themselves as a case study for trying to see what impact they had um, on public policy because they set out certain goals see so could then see to what extent they had an impact on the, on the debate
2: yeah, yeah this is all fruitful ground for, for more research definitely yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing with a lot of aid work is we tend, you know, we're all motivated and we tend to go out and do. The trouble is perhaps I mean, we need to take a bit more time to figure out what works before we start yeah. doing, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: Just, just a, uh, back to your initial slide, and I'm just curious why you selected the electorate of Mayo.
2: Uh, and, uh, yeah, not picking on Mayo at all, which I'm sure is... is a, uh, I'm a New Zealander, right, so I have no stakes in, in sort of inter-Australian <laughs> conflict. Uh, just the so the <laughs> <laughs> Mayo, just as per the Act for Data, um, it was the electorate that had the lowest number of NGO donations. And so it's just simply there because we've got the sort of... Uh, it's the range. Yeah, give you a sense of the range. Um, also, I, I, just to note, once you start looking at individual electorates, there's always a chance that data error... Um, you know, has popped up as well. That tends to sort of net out once you've got a, an N of 150, but it's possible that we're doing an injustice to the people of Mayo here. <laughs> However, I think it's fair to say that they do, for whatever reason, seem to be less frequent givers than the people of Sydney. Because it is a more
4: wealthy
2: yeah. highly educated, so it seems like it would be an outlier from those, those correlations. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the other puzzle with Mayo... is he, uh, <coughs> The people of Mayo are actually quite strongly supportive of a government ODA, <laughs> but they don't, you know, they're don't. they an outlier in that sense too. Uh, so maybe it is a data error. I don't know. Before anyone sort of sends any angry letters to the Member of Parliament. Uh, all <laughs> well, the
4: former member writes to you. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Uh,
1: all right. Well, I think uh, that has been a really uh, good uh, round of questions, and I might just finish by asking one myself. I just wanted to turn to whether you used any state so any state effects? Uh, we all know Victorians are the most generous people.
4: Uh, uh, <laughs> they're not
2: nearly as generous as New Zealanders, actually. <laughs> no, there's no... When we added states into the regressions, um, we ended up with, we with high sort of multi, multicollinearity and, and and too many variables in there anyhow. So it's hard to isolate any state effect from the socioeconomic and political traits we've already got in there. Yeah. However, if you just do a simple crude comparison between states... Some states are certainly more supportive of, of ODA and donate more than others in total. I think Queensland was probably the least generous. Ma- I, yeah. yeah, there is variation across states, yeah, definitely.
1: All right, well, I think that's been a really interesting session. Uh, I think maybe I didn't make clear uh, at, at the start that Alex is an undergraduate student uh, here at the ANU, so it's great to see such uh, terrific research. And yeah, thanks for both. Uh, for doing this
3: been listening to a podcast from the development policy center for more information on our work visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au to join the conversation on australian aid papua new guinea and the pacific and global development policy visit our blog at devpolicy.org at the blog you can also sign up to our newsletter for all the latest updates or connect with us on social media thanks for listening